Welcome to this reading of the Business Record for October 12, 2023. The Business Record is Central Iowa's Business Weekly. I'm Pat Steele, and all material heard on IRIS is intended for the use of listeners with print disabilities. And now here is our first story. A new inclusive playground with more than 52,000 square feet of play equipment, seating areas, and landscape has opened. The West Des Moines Raccoon River Park is located at 2500 Grand Avenue. The playground's universal design welcomes children and families of all abilities to learn, play, and grow together, according to a news release. Points of various types of play feature motion, swings, sensory, theme play, and climb and crawl. Each method of play has different means of access, allowing children to scramble up hills or use sloping paths to reach the top, according to the release. Ryan Penning, West Des Moines Parks and Recreation Director, said in a prepared statement, Hundreds of thousands of people visit Raccoon River Park annually and use the playground, so this is a significant project that will have a tremendous impact on our community for years to come. This is our largest playground and our largest park, and we can't wait for the community to once again be able to utilize it. A ribbon-cutting ceremony, which the public is invited to attend, is planned for 1 o'clock Saturday at the playground. Unity Point Health announced uh, to its board of directors that they have named Scott Kaiser president and CEO and has ended negotiations with New Mexico-based Presbyterian Healthcare to merge the two health systems. The West Des Moines-based Unity Point said in a news release Wednesday that former CEO Clay Holderman has left the organization to explore other professional opportunities, but not indicate when he officially exited the position. Before he became Unity Point's chief executive in January 2021, Holderman was executive vice president at Presbyterian Healthcare Services for more than four years, according to his LinkedIn profile. Unity Point began merger discussions with Presbyterian Healthcare earlier this year. According to release, the healthcare and hospital systems decided to no longer pursue, pursue a translation after significant planning and consideration. Unity Point Board Chair Sally Gray said in the release, We believe this decision allows us to better meet the needs of our patients, team members, communities, and key stakeholders. As we move forward, Unity Point Health is focused on identifying new, innovative ways to deliver low-cost, high-quality care to those we serve. Prior to the announcement, Kaiser had served as Unity Point's chief legal officer from 2021 to 2023. According to Unity Point's website, he was formerly senior vice president and chief legal officer of BayCare Health System based in Clearwater, Florida. Gray said, we're confident in Scott's leadership going forward, and we remain committed to showing our people, patients, and communities how much they matter. Unity Point was formed in 1993 as Iowa Health Systems when Iowa Methodist and Lutheran Hospitals in Des Moines merged. It was rebranded as Unity Point in 2013. The merger with Presbyterian Health would have created a medical system valued at $11 billion dollars with about 40,000 employees, including 3,000 physicians and advanced practice clinicians, with 40 hospitals and hundreds of clinics, and that's according to the Des Moines Register. Unity Point promotes itself as one of the nation's largest integrated health systems, providing care to patients in rural and metropolitan Iowa, 
Western Illinois, and Southern Wisconsin with more than 370 physician clinics, 17 regional and 19 community network hospitals, five community mental health centers, and three accredited colleges and home care services. It employs more than 32,000 people. Unity Point called off a similar-sized merger in November 2019 with Sioux Falls, South Dakota-based Sanford Health that would have formed a 11 billion 76 hospital system. Des Moines University and Indian Hills Community College have announced a partnership agreement that will offer students an opportunity to enter the university's occupational therapy doctoral program. Under the agreement, the West Des Moines-based Des Moines University will annually reserve two seats for qualified Indian Hills Community College students at its Doctor of Occupational Therapy program, according to the release. Students at Indian Hills, which has campuses in Centerville and Ottumwa, will be guaranteed an interview for admission to this program by meeting Des Moines University's admission requirements. Demonstrated hours of relevant observational work experiences and other academic achievements. The joint news release says the agreement takes effect immediately and allows Indian Hills students to apply to Des Moines University's program as early as June prior to their second year. Universities began enrolling the first students in the occupational therapy this summer. The institutions say the partnership is intended to benefit students while helping build Iowa's health care workforce. Diane Fodderback, DMU and OT Department Chair and Program Director, said in a release, has we designed um, our OTD program, we were mindful of the financial strain that can sometimes accompany earning an advanced degree. We determined a mission criteria that would prepare students for success in a doctoral-level program while also allowing them to accelerate earning this degree, which means cost savings for our students. Elsewhere from the October 12th business record, Iowa voters can start casting ballots next week in the state's 2023 city school elections. The absentee voting period for the 2023 local races starts October 18th, which is also the date county auditors can mail out voter request absentee ballots, according to a news release from the Iowa Secretary of State's office. Voters can also start early in-person voting at their county auditor's office on October 18th. Election day is Tuesday, November 7th. In the release, the Secretary of State's office said more than 5,500 Iowans have requested an absentee ballot. The deadline to request a mailed ballot is 5 p.m. October 23rd. Secretary of State Paul Pate said in the release, We want to see every Iowan participate in the upcoming city school election, and the best way to be successful in voting is to have a plan for how you want to vote. Iowans have several secure ways to vote, including early and in-person at their county auditor's office. Iowans should make a plan early and take the necessary steps to ensure their voice is heard this November. Voters can request or track the status of an absentee ballot at voterready.iowa.gov. The absentee ballots must be received by 8 p.m. on Election Day. Racial disparities continue as need rises for food pantries. This is a story in the business record written by Michael Crum. 
The Des Moines Area Religious Council Food Pantry Network served a record number of people with an increasing number of people visiting the pantry for the first time, according to the agency's report, which is entitled Portrait of a Food Pantry Visitor, Data, Demographics, and Disparities, which was released on Wednesday. The report, which measures food pantry activity from January 2022 through August 2023, shows continued racial disparities in pantry visitors. The report shows that 18.8% of visitors to DMARC's 14 food pantry network, plus several mobile sites, were black. According to U.S. Census data, 4.4% of Iowa's population is black. The report was released during a Lunch and Learn event, and it shows that racial disparities exist across all communities in the metro but are more pronounced in suburban communities. For example, nearly 16% of pantry visitors in Ankeny were black, while only making up 1.7% of the population. In West Des Moines, more than 23% of pantry visitors were black, compared to 4.1% of that city's population. According to the report, the number of households served rose 24% to more than 24,600. There was also an increase in the number of children being helped by DMARC, with children making up 34.3% of those assisted. Despite historic levels of visitors seeking out a food pantry during this time, you will find the demographics and disparities that we've identified around food insecurity are not often drastically different from year to year, just more pronounced. And that was a statement made by DMARC CEO Matt Unger. While we have a long way to go, there are real and actionable steps we can be taking today as a community to address those disparities, Unger said. The report also details the continued effects of discriminatory policies of the past, such as redlining in Des Moines neighborhoods, which segregated neighborhoods and prevented generations of black families and other communities of color from building wealth through home ownership. According to the report, the same neighborhoods that were redlined nearly 100 years ago are some of the areas of greatest need for food pantries. One example is a zip code of 50314, where 33% of residents used a DMARC food pantry in the past 12 months. That neighborhood is immediately north of Interstate 235 and just west of the Des Moines River near downtown Des Moines. Other key points contained in the report, 53.3% of pantry visitors were women. 40.6% received SNAP benefits at some point in 2023. 95.2% had income of less than 200% of the federal poverty level. For a family of four, that number is $60,000. The report also contains data on veteran status, educational attainment, and data for other metro communities. According to the report, the typical food pantry visitor is a white woman who graduated high school, has one child, is living below the poverty line, does not receive SNAP benefits, is in and out of work, and visits the food pantry only once a year. The report's summary also shows that seniors are more likely to use a food pantry more frequently because they live on a fixed income. Unger said that DMARC is inviting other nonprofit organizations to review the data to find where our work intersects. 
Unger said, this data shows the community what the situations those in need of food assistance are really facing, he said. With these insights, we can also point to personal stories from many of those with and for whom we work. And again, this was a story written by Michael Crum, who is a senior staff writer at the Business Record. Drake University has announced that public policy professional, author, and equality advocate Heather McGee will give the inaugural Bucksbaum Lectureship in Business on November 1st at Sheslow Auditorium on the Drake campus. The lecture is an expansion of the university's long-running Martin Bucksbaum Lectureship series. The second lectureship track was made possible by an additional gift from Melva Bucksbaum and Mary Bucksbaum Scanlon, according to a news release Managed through Drake's Zimpelman College of Business, the new track addresses topics at the intersection of business and society. The late Martin and Melva Buxbaum launched the lectureship series 30 years ago. Martin Buxbaum was chairman and CEO of General Growth Properties and a member of Drake University's governing board. The lectureship has featured figures including Maya Anglo, Irvin Magic Johnson, and Bob Woodward. McGee has crafted legislation, testified before Congress, and helped shape presidential campaign platforms, according to release. She is author of The Sum of Us, What Racism Cost Us, and How We Can Prosper Together. McGee's lecture will begin at 7 p.m. The event is free and open to the public. However, attendees will need to register at Drake, uh, EDU, Bucksbaum Business. lecture will also be live-streamed at livedrake.edu. Oak Park Restaurant at 3901 Ingersoll Avenue in Des Moines will open for the public on October 17th. The newly built 100-seat restaurant anchors a project to redevelop the 3900 block of Ingersoll Avenue. In 2021, businesswoman Kathy Furman, a managing partner in Furman Investments, LLC, purchased property at 3901 and 3913 Ingersoll Avenue that included a medical office building and residence. The buildings were raised. Construction of the restaurant, designed to resemble a residential home with an enclosed wraparound porch, was recently completed. An edible garden on the property inspires the restaurant's seasonal menu. An additional 3,000 square feet of retail space is planned in the west. Um, uh, I'm sorry, to the west of the restaurant. More details about Oak Park. The general manager is Damon Murphy, who for 16 years was general manager at 801 Chop House. The chef is Ian Robertson, who left Iowa in 2017 to hone his skills in New York and Chicago. The pastry chef will be Jeff Robertson. He's worked at Baru 66 in Windsor Heights, as well as 11 Madison Park in New York. Sam Tuttle will be the wine director, and he's a, uh, certified in that, and will spearhead the creation of a 7,000-bottle wine cellar. Billy Dorman will be the director of operations, and he has a decade of fine dining experience. And the restaurant will be open from 4.30 to 9.30 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday, and reservations can be made at TOC, that's T-O-C-K dot com. Variety, the Children's Charity awarded Mercy One Central Iowa over $125,000 to enhance the care and services to Iowa children at Mercy One Children's Hospital and Mercy One House of Mercy. A $116,275 grant from the Mercy One Children's Hospital will be used to purchase three GE Panda infant warmers. 
The project will include renovation of three labor and delivery suites to accommodate the new infant warmers, which are equipped with specialized features to support clinicians as they care for some of the hospital's smallest patients. Maria Nelson, market director for Women's and Children's Services at Mercy One Children's Hospital, said in a prepared statement, Each year, Mercy One Des Moines Medical Center welcomes thousands of babies. In 2022, we celebrated more than 4,000 births, including 92 sets of twins and three sets of triplets. These infant warmers are vitally needed. This grant will allow us to update the existing warmers and allow for more efficiency in our labor and delivery suites. A $8,895 grant was awarded to Mercy One House of Mercy that will provide new Americans with Disabilities Act accessible picnic tables at its outdoor playground. Continuing with the October 12th edition of the Business Record, McGill Jungle Wealth Management helps double the impact of Habitat for Humanity. McGill Jungie, I think that is McGill Jungie Wealth Management, a member of Northwestern Mutual's exclusive private client group, is celebrating its 10-year anniversary and spotlighting its philanthropic giving in central Iowa. In honor of the milestone, the firm said it will match gifts to Greater Des Moines Habitat for Humanity dollar for dollar up to $25,000 through October 31st, according to a press release. In conjunction with the match campaign, the McGill Jungie team volunteered with Habitat for Humanity at a home in Des Moines. We know that home ownership is one of the primary ways that Americans build and transfer wealth, and we were surprised to learn that just 31.7% of black Polk County residents own their homes, while 73.1% of all Polk County residents own their homes. McGill Jungie co-founder Ed McGill said in a prepared statement. He continued, We are honored to partner with Habitat for Humanity to help narrow the racial wealth gap by providing access to safe, comfortable, and affordable home ownership. And to learn more about the Match Campaign or volunteer opportunities, you can click on the McGill Jungie Wealth Management website. Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Iowa has purchased a 10,500-square-foot building at 2130 Grand Avenue in Des Moines that will be converted into a new mentoring center. The center, expected to open next summer, 2024, will aid the organization in its goal to increase the number of youth it serves to over 900, according to a press release. Big Brothers Big Sisters says that will also require an increase in staff. As the city of Des Moines and surrounding communities grow, the need for mentoring our youth continues to grow. And that's CEO uh, Bridget Cravens Neely said this in a prepared statement. She continued, Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Iowa is uniquely positioned to step in and serve these needs. This new building, centrally located and accessible, will provide a safe and fun gathering place for our matches, while also offering community space for outside organizations to use. The center will also accommodate our growing team, especially for our programs. We'll have more rooms to interview families, littles and bigs, and form new mentoring matches. Renovations are still needed for the new space. And for more information about Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Central Iowa, you can check their website. Iowa architecture firms were recognized at the American Institute of Architects Iowa Chapters Annual Award Celebration held recently at Mainframe Studios in Des Moines. Awards handed out, and their winners include AIA Iowa Craft Award Merit, 
Dowling Catholic Memorial Garden. That was done by RDG Planning and Design. The jury commented that the poetry paired with the weathering of the cordon is beautiful. The AIA Iowa Craft Award honor went to Murmuration Public Arts Installation by RDG Planning and Design. The jury commented that the essence of this category is captured in this project. The scale of the handcrafting is well captured. The University of Iowa Stanley Museum of Art by Seedorf Masonry Incorporated won the AIA Iowa Craft Award honor. Comment from the jury said that the exterior is extremely well done in design, masterful in its execution. The precision of the whole assembly is the beauty of this project as much as the brick. An honorable mention award went to the Training Center for Excellence by Envision Architecture. The jury commented that the project took a bizarre program and elevated it, making something out of nothing, creating some really nice moments of engagement. A design award merit went to the Stanley Center for Peace and Security, and that was designed by Newman Monson Architects. The jury commented that we love the reuse story of this project and that wears sustainability as a badge of honor. They've created a whole world with different scaled spaces in the project. It's like a little city. The uh, Lely North American by Substance Architecture was a winner of Design Award Merit. The jury commented that the interiors in this project really shined. It brought things down to a human scale. There was a clear rigor with respect to mechanical routing and how things are laid out. Uh, Merit Award went to Neighborhood Design Studio by Studio Melee. The jury commented that the idea of architects championing the creativity of adaptive reuse while being both designer and contractor is admirable. We again appreciate the rigor of the interior in exposing everything. Another Merit Award went to Grask Peterbilt Office Edition by OPN Architects. The jury commented that the Peterbilt screen creates an iconic image and incorporates the logo well, and we loved how it evoked a sense of nostalgia of a matchbox or Hot Wheels in a container. Another award went to the Newman Monson Architects. Uh, the jury commented that this project of the Tuesday Agency feels like it's a genre of interiors as unique and not predictable in the thick versus thin, slick versus textured detailing. There's a depth of craft that is clearly well detailed and has a richness and refined versus raw nature of things. And finally, another award went to University of Iowa Stanley Museum of Art, and that uh, project was done by BNIM Architects. The jury commented this is architecture with a capital A. There's a lot to love about this project and a love of restraint. It is no way corporate and no way Dull. So those are the award winners uh, from the Association of Iowa Architects. And a regular feature of the business record is real estate changes. And this is a story written by Kathy Bolton of the uh, business record. A decades-old strip center on Des Moines' west side has been sold to a local limited liability company, Polk County Real Estate Records Show. Douglas Avenue Plaza, which is located in Des Moines, paid NAP Investments $2 million for property on Douglas Avenue. The property known as Douglas Avenue Plaza was built in phases. In 1945, a two-story structure was built on about three-tenths of an acre at 3800 Douglas Avenue. In 1966, a one-story strip center with five bays was added to the two-story structure. 
The following year, another one-story addition was added. The value of the three properties on Douglas is valued at $1.3 million. In other real estate transactions, L, uh, SNU Real Estate LLC, which is located in Pella, paid NYNY LLC $2.1 million for property on New York Avenue in Urbandale. The 1.9-acre parcel includes a 19,100-square-foot office building constructed in 1984. The property is valued at $1.6 million. C&C Realty Holdings, located in Des Moines, paid DRA Properties $1.1 million for property on Northeast 67th Place in Des Moines. The 2.8-acre parcel is undeveloped. The Sean O'Toole Declaration of Trust paid Pardup and Daljeet Sanhu $1.5 million for property on Northwest 76th Place in Johnston. It's a 7.7-acre parcel, includes a two-story, 4,100-square-foot house built in 2002. Provision Properties, located in Clive, paid Northwest College Avenue, LLC, $2.67 million for property on Northwest College Avenue. All five of the properties include two-story, eight-unit apartment buildings. The structure at 109 Northwest College Avenue was built in 1966, and that property is valued at $518,000. The apartment complex located on 113 Northwest College Avenue was built in 1996, and it's valued at $512,000. The properties at 304, 308, and 312 Northwest College Avenue were each built in 1967, and each is valued at $555,000. Matthew and Maria Trosper paid Marcus and Catherine Charter $1.1 million for property located on Northeast 42nd Court in Ankeny. The property includes a one-story, 2,400-square-foot house that was built in 2012. Iowa Equity Exchange Partners, located in West Des Moines, paid Anderson Land $988,435 for just over 15 acres of farmland located on Northeast 38th Avenue, east of Altoona. And finally, 5145 Northwest Beaver Drive, LLC, and Gardner Properties, 5145 LLC paid Reuter Corporation $1.19 million for property located at 5145 Northwest Beaver Drive. Records show the two-acre parcel includes an 8,000-square-foot, one-story building constructed in 1984. Shrimco Industries, whose headquarters is in Phoenix, Arizona, occupies the property Shermco is an electrical testing group with locations across North America, and the property is valued at $921,000. You are listening to this week's edition of the Business Record. Our thanks to the folks at Business Publications for providing a copy of the Business Record to Iris so that we can read it for you. If you have any comments on this or any other Iris program, give us a call at 515 243 6833. And now back to more stories from the October 12th business record. Wells Fargo vacated the four-story Arcadia office building in West Des Moines during the third quarter of 2023, adding over 272,000 square feet of vacant office space to the greater Des Moines market. 
and that's according to Market Beat Cushman in Wakefield's third quarter office report. The Arcadia, located at 7000 Vista Drive and Country Club Plaza, is owned and managed by R&R Realty Group. The property is valued at $24.4 million, according to the Dallas County Assessor. Early this year, Wells Fargo announced that it was relocating a large number of people who worked in downtown Des Moines and other parts of the metro area to the company's Jordan Creek campus in West Des Moines. The company is selling properties it owns downtown and not staying in spaces it had leased. The Arcadia is the first of several Wells Fargo buildings coming back to the market over the next several years, according to MarketBeat. Wells Fargo is vacating about one point. 5 million square feet of mostly office space, according to the report. The vacant space in Arcadia contributed to pushing the vacancy rate of office space in the metro area to 16.9% in the third quarter, which ended September 30th. The vacancy rate in the second quarter was 16.5%, according to Market Beat. Nikki Greenberg, futurist and thought leader in the real estate industry, was a keynote speaker during the recent Iowa Commercial Real, real Estate Association Expo in Des Moines. Greenberg, who began her career as an architect and urban designer, designer covered four topics, future customers, real estate in the metaverse, artificial intelligence and humans, and future visions during her presentation at the Iowa Events Center on September 28th. Here's some of the highlights of her presentation. Future customers. Greenberg said if a company wants to be attractive to a Generation Z employer customer, it needs to act like someone from the Gen Z generation. She said baby boomers and other generations before Gen Z will be moving out of the workforce, meaning that Gen Z and millennials will make up 75% of the workforce. Greenberg said, so they are a force to be reckoned with and they simply cannot be ignored, so you have to get to understand them pretty well. People in the Gen Z generation spend an average of 10 hours a day on their devices and 85% say they rely on social media to make purchase decisions. Half of the Gen Z generation watches YouTube to teach themselves something, Greenberg said. They also have an 8-second attention span and more often go to TikTok than Google, she said. If you want to be able to think like a Gen Z, you need to act like a Gen Z. Spend more time on your devices and go to the places they are looking. People in the Gen Z generation will change jobs 10 times, she said. Of those, 41% are entrepreneurs, 42% prioritize benefits over salary, and 75% prefer hybrid or remote working environments. She said, this is going to stick around. When you're talking about the future of the workplace, we're talking about a very transient workforce that has different values. Greenberg said companies will need to create more welcoming, comfortable places that are often nicer than home if they hope to bring Gen Z workers into the office. One interesting statistic Greenberg shared was that 90% of Gen Z workers want to come to the office, citing increased productivity but only 8% like the open office plan, saying it's not productive for them to work. Greenberg said clean offices boost productivity by 11%, and there is a 50% increase in cognitive ability when offices are well ventilated. Make it part of the marketing of space to say, yes, we have good quality air, and it's worth coming in, she said. About real estate, Greenberg said companies like L'Oreal, Gucci, and Nike have already created the technology to have transactions. 
That technology allows for big transactions and auctions, which can be a tool used in real estate, she said. Greenberg said the first um, metaverse mortgage came out in 2022. It was a $50,000 loan with a two- to three-year term. They don't even have a real headquarters, she said. They just have this virtual building, and nobody knows who the people are behind it. It's only the virtual version of themselves. She said... Some properties in the metaverse are tracking $60,000 a month in rent with a 70% profit margin. So yes, it's lucrative, Greenberg said. It's not a competitor to commercial real estate, but the metaverse is spoken about in the language of real estate. So if you're an innovator, you may want to look at how you can be a metaverse landlord or mortgage broker or whatever it is because there's opportunities for those who have the appetite. There are also events in Metaverse such as Fashion Week and Christmas Market, she said. A virtual New Year's Eve party drew more than 3 million guests. So when these events happen, when they need space, they need someone to build it, Greenberg said. So the same way we interact in the physical world, this interaction is happening in the virtual world as well. Regarding artificial intelligence and in humans, Greenberg compared the development of AI to a toddler. It's young, it's clumsy, she said. What does that mean? It means we need to give it good nutrition, good quality data. You need to supervise it. You need to teach it the difference between right and wrong, so you need to eliminate bias. It needs to be taught things. The good news about AI, Greenberg said, is that AI loves to do work which was repetitive, dull, and dangerous. It's the same work that we don't like to do, which is wonderful. In commercial real estate, AI can talk about size, attributes, and description of the property, but it may also add or omit information. In terms of speed, it was able to do something quite quickly that somebody could come in and tweak quite easily, Greenberg said. So there's a place for it in terms of speed and tweaking, but it's young, clumsy, and learning, and doesn't have all the information. AI can also be trained on simple tasks to answer questions, which can help with property management, she said. Greenberg also said that AI can be used to enhance customer relations, management, off-site construction, and help make buildings more efficient. Advancements in AI are game-changing, she said. The world is going to change over again as AI comes into being. We just need to realize that the world is changing around us, and there are opportunities that we can embrace by changing along with it. And finally, regarding future visions, Greenberg said cities around the world have plans for what they will look like in the future, much of it revolving around connectivity and technology. These include things like making business districts a 24-7 destination with investments in theater and entertainment to grow a nighttime economy, investments in public transportation to make sure people can get to work, and improving interagency communications so if one utility is working in a location, another utility will know about it. There are different visions where cities might be going, Greenberg said. She said it's important to talk about what we don't have and what could be coming. While technology like smart watches, smart televisions, robot vacuums, and other gadgets already exist, we still have a ways to go as a society. There's still space for innovation, she said. And in conclusion, Greenberg said, we do have an obligation to make sure that the world we're creating today is going to be sustainable for generations to come, which does mean being more tech-focused. This is a story written by Michael Crum, a senior staff writer at The Business Record. 
People's Company land transaction and management business with offices in all major agricultural regions in the United States hired Jonathan Shively as PC Capital Markets Managing Director of Capital Partnerships. Shively will manage and facilitate relationships with People's Company's capital market partners, including institutional investors, wealth managers, family offices, and high net worth individual investors, connecting them with agricultural assets throughout the country. Before joining People's Company, Shively worked at Acre Trader, a farmland real estate investment company. He also spent 18 years as the managing director at Stephens Incorporated, which is a financial services firm. The city of Urbandale hosted a ribbon cutting for its new trench training site on Friday. The new site is designed to advance training for emergency responders and construction professionals. The new facility provides scenarios that will allow responders to simulate real-life trench emergencies. Trench safety is one of the single largest areas of focus for our members, Kim Fry said, and he's the executive director of the Iowa chapter National Utility Contractors Association. He added, our members and their hardworking employees recognize the inherent risk associated with underground utility work. Without proper planning, a situation can become dangerous in an instant. The Iowa chapter of the National Utility Contractors Association provided a donation and helped fund the creation of the training site. Israeli-Palestinian war sends ripple effects across the region and the globe. The Israeli-Palestinian war has already claimed the lives of more than 1,500 people, and more than 6,000 have been injured on both sides of the, as the conflict entered its fourth day today. According to New York Times, the Israeli military said more than 900 people have died in Israel since Saturday's incursion, and at least 687 Palestinians were killed, the authorities in Gaza said. The new war in the Middle East has threatened to upend a world economy that was already reeling from multiple overlapping conflicts, complicating efforts to contain inflation, and that's according to New York Times. Below are some of the effects the conflict is having on the economy. The International Monetary Fund expects global economic growth to slow in 2024. The world economy is losing momentum after the start of the Israeli-Palestinian War. The Associated Press reported that the International Monetary Fund expects global economic growth to slow to 2.9% in 2024, and that's down slightly from 3% it predicted in July. A series of recent shocks, including the COVID COVID-19 pandemic and the war in Ukraine has sunk worldwide economic output by about $3.7 trillion over the past three years compared with pre-COVID trends. Secondly, fertilizer stocks increased with Israeli-Palestinian war raising supply concerns. Bloomberg reported that fertilizer makers are seeing a surge in their stock prices as Hamas's attack on Israel spurred concerns over global nutrient supplies that are essential for food crops. The port of Ashdod, just north of Gaza, and a critical export center for the country's Polish fertilizer exports, is now in a state of emergency. Ben Isaacson, a Scottish bank analyst said that it's putting as much as 3% of the global potash supply at possible risk. Isaacson also said that if Iran, a critical nitrogen exporter in the region, gets involved in the conflict, the prices of the nutrients needed for grain production could spike due to limited supply and potential premiums and benchmark 
uh, Dutch TTF natural gas, which is used to make nitrogen-based fertilizers. Global fertilizer prices had been on a downward trajectory in 2023 before the new war started after surging in 2022 due to supply disruptions from the war in Ukraine. The Israeli-Palestinian war, coupled with Iran's potential involvement in its impact on the Strait of Hormuz shipping route, could reverse the downward trend. Another trend is that another spike in oil prices could pressure the Fed to raise interest rates again. Oil markets are already jittery, and Lucretia Richland, a professor at the London Business School, is concerned that another big increase in oil prices would pressure the Federal Reserve and other central banks to further push up interest rates, according to the New York Times. Pierre Olivier Gokenross, the International Monetary Fund's chief economist, said it's too early to assess whether the recent jump in oil prices would be sustained. If they were, he said, research shows that a 10% increase in oil prices would weigh down the global economy, reducing output by 0.15% and increasing inflation by 0.4% next year. A work-based learning self-assessment tool will help companies improve career pathways and fill positions with homegrown talent, the Greater Des Moines Partnership announced on Monday. According to officials with the partnership, the self-assessment tool will help companies assess their work-based learning efforts and needs in three areas, work-based learning continuum diversification, education partnerships and support staff, and high-quality and accessible work-based learning experience for all students. According to the release, more than 310 Iowa school districts have at least one work-based learning program across various industries. Work-based learning creates opportunities for students to learn what types of jobs are available within the Des Moines community and help them gain professional and technical skills for a possible career. Those programs can help employers build a talent pipeline and create a more connected workforce through registered apprenticeships, internships, job shadowing, and more. Lexi Schaefer, Director of Workforce at the Partnership, said in the release, the entire community benefits when local students are prepared and supported as they gain the skill sets and confidence needed to work in our region. This work-based learning tool will help close gaps and fulfill talent needs for Des Moines employers by identifying actionable steps for success. Projects in Webster City and Waverly have been awarded a total of $430,000 in community attraction tourism grants to the state's Enhanced Iowa Program for improvements to a library and the construction of a splash pad. According to a news release, the grants were announced on October 5th. The projects include $375,000 to Waverly for an expansion and renovation of the town's public library. The project, estimated at $2.76 million, will include the extension of the children's area, the installation of a story tree sculpture, and the addition of about 1,200 square feet for a teen room, the renovation of conference space, and the complete renovation of the interior of the library. $55,000 went to Webster City for a zero-depth splash pad in East Twin Park. The project, estimated at $432,511, will include 20 water features for different age groups. It will also include sidewalk paths to connect to the existing park and a new shelter house. 
The Enhanced Iowa Program provides financial incentives for the construction of recreational, cultural, educational, entertainment facilities that enhance the quality of life in Iowa. Job's Outlook Preview October 19th panel will discuss hiring retention challenges employers will face in 2024. This is a story written by Michael Crum of the Business Record. Employers will face a variety of challenges in the hiring and retention of talent in 2024, according to some of the panelists participating in the Business Record's Jobs Outlook panel on October 19th. Panelists scheduled to participate in the virtual conversation include David Leto, who's the president of Palmer Group, Janae Sink, I'm sorry, Janae Sakink, who's senior vice president of talent development at the Greater Des Moines Partnership, Armadi Abdallah, Vice President of Family and Workforce Programs in the Oak Ridge Neighborhood, Kathy Anderson, Division Administrator, Business Engagement at Iowa Workforce Development, and Peter Arozum, Professor of Economics at Iowa State University. During the Jobs Outlook scheduled from noon to one, the business record will look at how ongoing labor shortages are affecting hiring strategies, how return to office policies may affect hiring and job retention, and how continued fears of recession may affect growth in hiring plans in 2024. Ahead of the conversation, the business record reached out to the panelists and asked them about the top jobs-related challenges employers would face in 2024, and here are some of their responses. Uh, David Lido, um, who is with uh, Palmer Group, said, The past four years have brought about a lot of change in a short amount of time, leaving many organizations struggling to define their identity and determine the type of culture they want to establish. One of the biggest challenges that organizations will face next year is defining their cultural values to their current team and communicating that message to potential candidates during the hiring process. It is important that organizations seek out individuals who share similar values, purpose, and culture. Hiring people who are aligned with your organization's culture and who are committed to enhancing it will be instrumental in ensuring the organization's long-term success. Janae Sakink said this, Effectively communicating your organization's benefits will be a top challenge and opportunity in 2024. Flexibility matters to job seekers and along with professional development opportunities, plays a vital role in the employee value proposition. The 2023 Workforce Trends and Occupancy Study showed that employees value flexibility and also see the value of working in the office to collaborate with teammates and have opportunities for formal and formal, formal and informal mentoring. The data also indicated that Greater Des Moines workers were more satisfied than the prior year and more satisfied than others across the country, showing that Our employees have a solid base to build on. Employers can view the results of study on the partnerships website. Peter Aransom from Iowa State University said, Nationally, labor force participation has decreased for men and has increased slightly for women, but the drop in labor force has been concentrated among workers over 55 years of age, while labor supply increased for younger men and women. The problem is worse in Iowa because we went into the pandemic with an older-than-average workforce, and so Iowa lost a greater share of its labor force than other states. Since 2000, 38% of the population growth in Iowa was from immigration, which was shut down during the pandemic. It has started to recover, but not enough to replace the lost Iowa workers, 
absent an increase in immigration, Iowa firms will be at a disadvantage compared to competitors in other states in attracting and retaining workers. And finally, from Amarty Abdallah, uh, he said, it's the employee's market. In today's job market, talented and skillful job candidates have the upper hand in picking the job of their choice. Personnel recruitment and retention has been and will be one of the most difficult challenges for employers in the upcoming years. The suspension of H-1B visas in 2020, the high cost of living, which has contributed to the high cost of hiring new candidates, are some of the factors behind the U.S. job shortage. Companies will have a harder time striking a balance between remaining competitive and lowering overheads while being mindful of employees' morale. For example, an employer may downsize their workforce to reduce operating costs, but such a move leads to an increased workload, long working hours, burnout, and would have an adverse impact on employees' productivity and morale. It will also have an impact on companies' competitiveness. With that being, employers employers are not operating at the same level. Some companies came out of the COVID-19 era strong and have been able to invest in new technologies to cut costs and continue their growth. Technology is the key, but it requires capital and large investments in training and acquiring a new generation of talented workforce. AI, robotics, software development, e-commerce, cybersecurity, animation, and health services are some of the industries that will continue to grow in the upcoming years. All these fields require a highly skilled workforce. With the current shrinkage in the pool of talented workers, more employers will continue to compete for fewer job candidates. The baby boomers will continue to exit the job market, making it even harder for mid-sized companies to compete. And people are interested in uh, attending the Job Outlook panel discussion. Again, that'll be Thursday, October 19th from noon to 1 p.m. Uh, location, it's online, so it's nowhere to go. And you can register at the business record job, uh, business record website. The Iowa Coalition Against Domestic Violence will host its third annual Day of the Dead tribute on Saturday, October 14th. This year's tribute will be held at Union Park between the Heritage Carousel and Rocket Ship Slide from noon to 4 p.m. Community members are invited to remember the names, faces, and stories of victims who lost their lives due to gender-based violence. Attendees are encouraged to bring a photograph of a loved one they would like to honor. Organizers want to elevate the stories and names of those who have departed too soon. The tribute includes live music and performances, children's activities including a bounce house and face painting, a community resources fair, food, drinks, and more, and the event is free. Iowa State University Papa John Center for Entrepreneurship, in collaboration with the Ivy College of Business and the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, will host the second annual Food Insecurity Challenge for students. The event will begin with a hunger banquet at 5 p.m. October 23rd at the Memorial Union in Ames, where a local food insecurity expert will discuss issues of local and global food poverty. Participants will then form small teams to begin brainstorming solutions to the issues presented. Teams will have two weeks to develop solutions that they will pitch to a panel of judges on November 6th. Cash prizes will be split among the three teams with the best ideas to address global 
or local food poverty, with first place receiving $5,000, second place $2,500, and third place $1,500. Des Moines Area Community College has hired Aaron Lee Schneider to serve as Dean of Student Success and Urban Student Services. Schneider, Schneider, I should say, an Iowa attorney, will work at the DMACC Urban Des Moines campus. She most recently, most recently served for seven years as the Assistant Dean for Student Services at Drake University Law School. She previously served as a staff attorney with the Legal Aid Society of Story County, Executive Director of the Literacy and Mentoring Program Everybody Wins, Iowa, and as a staff assistant and caseworker for former United States Senator Tom Harkin. Schneider currently serves on the Attorney Grievance Commission, has been active in the National Association of Law Student Affairs Professionals. She has previously served on the National Advisory Council for Equal Justice Works and as the president of the Story County Bar Association. Schneider was also previously recognized as a business record 40 under 40 in 2012. The Greater Des Moines Partnership announced the 2023 Future World of Work Innovation Award winners during the Future World of Work Summit on Thursday at Unity Point Health, the Des Moines Conference and Learning Center at Iowa Methodist Medical Center. The Future World of Work Innovation Awards Ceremony recognized five organizations in Des Moines for their creative strategies and best-in-class practices in two categories, according to a press release. The Innovation and Talent Pipeline Award celebrates working with schools and higher education institutions to attract employees from across the region. The Innovation and Talent Retention Award honors companies that support current employees offering programs for wellness, training, and more. The award winners include Innovation and Talent Pipeline Award, goes to Des Moines Public Schools Central Campus. The Innovation and Talent Pipeline Award also goes to Principal Financial Group. Another innovation talent pipeline, this one honorable mention, goes to Iowa Society of CPAs. Innovation Talent Retention Award goes to Hy-V Incorporated. And Innovation Talent Honorable Mention goes to CDS Global's Child Independent Care Reimbursement Program. And our final story for this uh, October 12th edition of the Business Record, after more than five years of renovations, the State Historical Building of Iowa Museum and Research Center will fully reopen October 14th with a day-long schedule of programs and the unveiling of a new museum exhibition. The renovated building features a new atrium and infrastructure improvements designed to provide a safer, more secure facility to preserve and share Iowa's historical exhibits, artifacts, state archives, and records. Visitors on October 14th will have an opportunity to see the completed renovation, participate in family-friendly programs and activities, view the museum's permanent collection, and tour the new Civics in Action exhibition, which focuses on events, court cases, caucuses, and issues that help shape the future of Iowa in the United States. Starting October 14th, the State Historical Museum will be open from 9 to 4.30 p.m., Tuesday through Friday and 9 to 3 o'clock on Saturday. The Iowa History Research Centers in Des Moines and Iowa City will be open 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Tuesday through Friday. And more details are available at the website of the State Historical Building. And you've been listening to the Business Record on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and Print Handicapped. This has been Pat Steele. Appreciate the opportunity to read for you, and thanks for sharing your time with Iris.